You are listening to Boku no Stop, an anime podcast that feeds on your family's blood. I'm your host, mm-hmm. Sybil Arnett, and with me this week is... Matt Marcus. Garrett and Chris have taken Mr. Beast's invitation to the streamer sub. We expect they'll have a fun story when they return. But today, mm-hmm. we'll be talking about Code Geass, episodes 15 and 16. Content warnings for today's batch include every single type of gun violence imaginable, patricide, mm-hmm. near mm-hmm. amputation, and questions of consent. Also, images of dead children. I, I would throw that in there, too. <laughs> I suppose the killing fields do need a mention. You're right. Let me make that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, look, look, dead adults, whatever. But some people... A little bit more sensitive about children being shown on camera. <laughs> That's not, not the first time this happened in the show either. Like, we've seen them get gunned down live, so. You know, a lot Ugh. of people get gunned down in this show. And this week, oh, yeah. you will have many of them. Indeed. Last time, boy, Lelouch's plans completely shit the bed. First off, he accidentally planted a seed of suspicion with one of his generals, Ogi, who keeps wondering about odd coincidences in their last major skirmish. And all roads lead to, Zero wouldn't do that, would he? Secondly, his mask came off in the middle of said skirmish, and he knew at least two individuals had seen his face, with at least one probably surviving. The hunt for the culprits was interrupted by the kidnapping of classmate Shirley, who Lelouch was catching feelings for, and the reveal that Cece had given at least one person gas powers before him. Unfortunately, the other guy got full uncontrollable telepathy, and so a man named Mao kidnapped Shirley, tried to brainwash her into an assassin to wipe out Lelouch and reclaim Cece, and in the end, he still got away. Also in what's definitely never going to come back and bite him in the ass, Lelouch decided the solution to all of this trauma and Shirley's conflicted feelings about them in the wake of her father's death was to mind-wipe her completely of any knowledge that they knew one another. Boy, this will surely go great when they walk back onto campus and meet again. Yup. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, they, they're in constant contact with each other. How does this work? And the way they, like, paper over it is fucking hilarious because it's so bullshit. I can't wait to see it blow up in his face. There's so many things that happen this episode that are going to blow up in his face later. Mm-hmm. My God. Uh, so, yeah, that... Takes us to the first episode, number 15, Cheering Mao. We resume on the train ride back from Narita, and Lelouch comes at CC out the gate saying, uh, so are you my enemy or my ally? And unsurprisingly, CC is pretty open about everything she's asked. So basically, she says that Mao was a prior attempt at, like, giving somebody Gias powers to do something i don't know what cc's ultimate goal is I yeah, don't we still haven't it anywhere. ever explained what the contract is she hasn't said what mouse was or what lelouch's is it, it almost feels very death notey you know to, to bring back death note again like in the sense of just like oh they're just she's just here to cause some shit and that's it like as far as you could tell that's entertaining i mean look she's very serious and dour she's not like Ryuk, where who, who's just like laughing at all the nonsense humans get up to when they're murdering each other or whatever. Okay, but her outfits, her outfits are the <laughs> laughter. Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, she has a lot of fun playing dress up, apparently. Yeah. I mean, like she's, and yet, look, let's not forget, she's still in that like idol Lolita outfit with the little tiny hat on her head. 
which is something I never know why that's a thing aesthetically. Like you see it all the time and I'm like, why? Why the tiny top hat? It's so weird. For that little extra bit of infantilization making it taboo. Mmm. Gross. Yes. Anyway, so Mao's skill has a range of roughly 500 meters. And if he works at it, he could even go from surface level thoughts down to the, un- they say subconscious. It's really unconscious. We don't have to get into that. But yeah. he could read your mind. That's really the point. And she also points out that he's not after Lelouch at all. He's after her. And Lelouch is like, yeah, I, I knew that already. But yeah, like if he wanted to actually take Zero down, he would have told anyone but Shirley, the one person who would probably hesitate to tell. <laughs> Maybe Revolves. Maybe Revolves would have been like, I don't know. He's my bro, though. <laughs> he would absolutely be going, come on, man. I want in on this. <laughs> I want to get that Black Knight pussy. Yes. Yes, he would. <laughs> Especially if he finds out that um, Khaled is a uh, is a member, I'm sure he'd be like, "Ooh!" He sees Khaled in the bodysuit once, and he's absolutely a terrorist now. <laughs> Look, there's just really something hot about women piloting mechs. This is why G Witch is so popular. That's the only reason why G Witch is so popular. also kidding. darling kidding. in the Franks. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh boy. Uh, look forward to that in like a year or two or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, the sequence ends with a demonstration of his weakness, which is that Mao cannot turn off his powers. So in a crowd, he is just absolutely inundated with noise. And for some reason, he decides at this time to be hanging out in a library, which is probably one of the worst places he could be in besides just a city period. And he's on the verge of a breakdown as like all these different Basically, like intrusive, other people's intrusive thoughts are going into his brain. And then he cranks up his. Nice one, Civil. Civil put in the notes MPCC player. Cute. Uh, and it's basically like it's a recording of CC telling him everything's going to be okay, Mao. It's okay, Mao. I'm here for you. I'll always be here for you. This Ooh. whole thing is already a little disconcerting, but when we get. The detail about their relationship that comes later into this episode. Boy. Should we put like a grooming warning on this? I'm not sure. I don't think so, because she dropped him the instant it looked like nothing was going to work for her. Yeah, we'll talk about it when that comes up, because it's it's. It's mentioned, but not. I think it's too ludicrously fucked up as a concept to really relate to something in the real world like that. Well, I mean, the thing is, uh, the, the, we don't know how long they were hanging out, and I would imagine it was a long time, like more than five or six years or whatever. I th- think they say it's about four at most, because I want to mm. say there's a drop that it's been seven years since they've seen each other. Okay, so, like, how old is Mao? Let's just Google this. How old is Mao? Oh, that means he would be 17. Sorry. <laughs> I just Googled how old is Mao, and it's got Mao's and dogs. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Code Gias. <laughs> how old is he? I don't know. He's pretty dead. Uh, let's see. Does it say age 17? Yeah, yeah. he's a teenager. So... Yeah, that raises even more questions, doesn't it, given some things we learned? 
Mm-hmm. So, the next day, Lelouch tells Nunley over breakfast he'll be spending more time at home for a bit. Internally, he thinks it's because Mao knows his weaknesses, and obviously the next best thing to Shirley as a target is his sister. She comments on him being away so often lately and wonders if he found a fun new game. He says he did, but his current opponent is a real nightmare. She says that's odd. He hasn't said that about anyone since their older brother Schneisel. This is so stupid. This is so stupid because of how this comes back later. Yep. He has also hooked up the entire building with a series of cameras, which we can see him pawing through on his laptop. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the city, Mao is blackmailing his way into getting more guns from one of the Black Knights' suppliers. It's a pretty good scene, actually. The guy's like, uh, no, I don't think I'm going to sell you a weapon, random Chinese man, and in this occupied city, and he goes... How about you sell it to me like the Black Knights, which you did five nights ago, to this guy named Jackie? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cece is a bit cross with Lelouch over this whole defensive game plan. She's just going, I'm his target, just put me out there as bait. Rather than engage with this, he instead asks, So, if I keep using my gas, am I going to end up like him? Or is he this messed up because he didn't uphold the contract? And Cece says, well, the more you use these things, the more powerful they become. But if you can't handle that, it does sort of turn on you. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Lelouch asks what the terms of the contract were, and when she refuses to answer, he calls her a monster and starts ranting up and down the room. And so she's I, just I like... Feel like... <laughs> I feel like there's got to be at least a little bit of like, you know, what what would you call it? Confidentiality <laughs> with these contracts. Like you, you can't just ask someone, hey, what's your contract? That's real. That's like asking a woman her age. It's just rude. You'd think at some point he would ask what his contract is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's at, yeah, like, you haven't seen any paperwork. How do you know what the terms are? At some point, he's going to just say the wrong thing and burst into flames because he broke the terms. <laughs> uh, but she decides, yeah, while this whole Mao thing is going on, I think I'm going to stay in the room across the hall, she says, grabbing her pillow. He says, that's a terrible idea. The student council is back here all the time. And she's just like, that is your problem to clean up, asshole. So is it Cheese Coon? Did she take Cheese Coon with her? I forgot to, to check. She did take Cheese Coon with her. Because, mm, mm. like, that's imagine what is her pillow. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, it's one of her only possessions that isn't whatever this wardrobe is. That's yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And whatever wardrobe she like cons out of other people, because <laughs> how does she get all these outfits? Like, does, does she just raid the um, the campus drama club? That would explain a lot. Yeah, because it's not like with Lelouch, where we know that he can convince people to give him things. Like, that's what his power does. We don't know what CC is capable of doing other than just showing up and solving problems, I guess. And then wearing Breaking a guy's like, neck with her heels. Apparently. <laughs> I hope this doesn't awaken anything in people. Oh, it definitely did for someone, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Anyway, across town, Cecily is telling Suzuku, uh, hey, so, you know, you're a pilot, so, like, we need to make sure you're in, like, tip-top shape, so you gotta go get your physical, uh, so come by tomorrow and let's do that. And he says, uh, sure, and also, uh, hey, do you, uh, 
Either of you know how I might, you know, get an audience with uh, Princess Euphemia. And Lloyd just laughs this off, saying that you have to be like at least a knight of honor to pull that, which I mean, predictable if he gets that. I mean, that's kind of the arc we're going on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, the whole thing, the second um, the second that Cornelia says, you need a knight to protect you. You need to pick somebody to protect you. And I'm like, she's got to pick Suzuku. Like, come on, <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing? Like, I'm surprised they didn't even bring it up in the moment because it's this show doesn't like to, uh, it likes to tell, not show. Well, it's so weird that through this whole Mao arc, this week we only see the princesses in one scene. Yeah, and and the tone of that scene is weird. It's us. a very good scene, but yes, something I've noticed doing notes on this is that we will just drop characters for a long period. Mm-hmm. Like the the week where we had the Battle of Narita and we saw 10 seconds of Nunnally. <laughs> oh, so so you mean the uh, the same guy who uh, wrote an anime where three of the characters just hide in a room for half a season? <laughs> Talking yeah. about G-Witch. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, let's just like shove them over here until we want to do something. With Light you. novels will fix yeah. this. Oh <laughs> uh, god, I don't think they could fix anything that happened with uh with the Earth Girls. They really fucked that up in my opinion. Eh, we'll we'll see. This week makes it seem like it's gonna get apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah. It's gotta be fun. It's mm-hmm. gotta be fun. Uh anyway. So yeah, Lloyd's like you're not high enough rank to do that. And Cecily undercuts him with uh, or an Earl, because apparently Lloyd is an Earl, as we find out. Uh, Suzuku is stunned at this revelation that his dipshit boss, I mean, like, I guess this is the first time we find out about it. Yeah, yeah. like he is actually a high ranking fail son. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. He's like, oh, yeah, I am royalty by or like nobility, by the way. And I'm like, of course he is. Of course he is. Yeah, no, this guy would have been in front of a firing squad for all his stunts if he weren't. <laughs> but uh, back on campus, Lelouch is asking a favor of Millie. Uh, he says, uh, can we close the clubhouse for a few days? You know, stuff's going on. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of in danger. Not only might be kind of in danger, you know, somebody snooping around for a lost prince. And this is where I'm like, when did Millie figure this out? No, we did knew that. Her? Her, the we Ashford that? family's known this the whole time. That's why he's on campus. Oh, shit. I completely forgot it. See, this is why, like, all these little details that would make a scene like this make more sense. I've completely forgotten because there were, like, robots and, and all this other shit going on. Yeah, when uh, when we find out they live in the student council building, that's when we drop. Yeah, no, the Ashfords were rich enough that's at the right. time that they knew. That's right. Now, the question is, why would they do that? But I'm sure they answered that, too, and I just completely forgot. The Ashfords are like the Kururugis, where they were very powerful in Japanese politics before everything went to hell in Area 11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I guess they just accepted. They'll be like, yep, we'll, we'll totally uh, go into your uh, puppet government and <laughs> well, help you out. It's one of those things where having a prince in your back pocket seemed like it was a good idea for diplomacy before the island was invaded. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, she's like, yeah, sure, that's totally cool. Uh, 
But speaking of my super powerful family, uh, they've actually set me up on another blind date so they can marry me off to a royal. Woohoo. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't get out of it this time. I got to go. And before we could get into this anymore, a bright and shiny Shirley runs up and says hello to Millie. And she looks over and goes, oh, hey, you're you're that little uh, emo boy from Narita. What are you doing here? <laughs> And Shirley gets called away and Lelouch has to tell Melia, uh, yeah, we, we had like a little fight and she's like pretending she doesn't know me. Can we just like play along until like we work this out? And Millie's like, sure, whatever, weirdo. Yep. Lelouch, you can't even date normally. <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, Cece is out kicking the shit out of men for leads on Mao. She's going full Chun-Li uh -huh. on a drug dealer in an alley. It's very funny. And she has a foot at this man's windpipe and is going, Look, the only Chinese guys I see are other dealers. Ask the cops. And as we hear her foot collapse his windpipe, she goes, I don't like cops. <laughs> Cece said A cab. <laughs> For what it's worth, I actually had a good laugh last night. The Right Stuff sale has just begun as of this uh, recording. And oh, no. the very first week I look at it, 13, 12 items. Mm. <laughs> it was a good laugh before bed. But all anyone is telling Cece is ask the cops or ask the Black Knights. And this information gathering is getting her nowhere, but probably culling the city of a lot of drug dealers based on the state she's leaving them in. Mm -hmm. To add insult to injury, apparently Lelouch has waited multiple days, until right now, to cover up more of his tracks. And we see he has broken into Shirley's room and stolen her diary, which we watch him burn. He bemoans that he could take care of Mao if he just had one missing piece as Cece comes up behind him and suggests they're on the same page, and maybe they should work together on this plan. Before mm. this can go any further, his phone rings with a call from, obviously, Mao. Oh, Cece is there too, no? Put her on. I want to talk to her. We then cut from that to Valletta, who Ogi has taken in. Like, as you remember, we found her, he found her injured at the docks, and uh, he's probably at some flat somewhere, probably one of his like safe houses. I'm guessing safe house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he bandages her up and is waiting there with a gun in case things go a little sideways. And once again, this show reminds us that it was aired in an after hours time slot as she sits up and her tits just go, f yeah, just flop out akimbo. Yup. Yup. And, uh, but then she like covers up, realizes that she's exposed and covers her up herself up meekly going, Oh no. And, uh, seems to have amnesia. And like, they, they make a point to say like, or Ogi's like, yeah, I, I had to undress you to like tend to your wounds, but I didn't want to dress you again. So we could show that. I liked it. Tits. I could undress you with my eyes closed, but I couldn't put clothes back on while shutting them. Well, I mean, he probably had more practice that <laughs> the first way than the second way. It is just an incredibly funny statement to deliver mm -hmm. to someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But hey, her being an amnesiac means that uh, neither of them want to kill each other right now, or at least he doesn't know if he has to and she doesn't want to. 
Anyway, we cut back to the student council building where CC tosses Lelouch's phone back to him going, uh, by the way, I'm leaving forever and demonstrates for the slower members of the audience that she's immune to Gios powers because, of course, Lelouch tries it. And then we cut to commercial. I'm firmly in the camp that if you did not get what they were foreshadowing here, you need to just give up your media comprehension card forever. <laughs> Unless you're Please, 12. Please don't follow me. Maybe if you're 12, this is allowed. Uh-huh. Look, I mean, the thing is, this show is both very much for, I wouldn't say for children. It's for teens. Yeah. But also, it's for older teens somehow because there's tits in it. So, shrug who does the show actually for. It's for older teens because there's themes of racial purity and genocide. That too. <laughs> Remember, one of those, actually, probably, I would imagine, at least in the U.S., one of those things is okay for younger teens, and the other one's not. Guess which one's which. Good point. I don't know if this it's probably not the same in Japan. Unit 731. <laughs> what if the boutique trash video labels is releasing some of the old exploitation films about that? It's like, I think this is my line on physical media. I don't yeah. want to have to explain that box set to anyone understandable mm -hmm. <laughs> it's funny when you find your line anyway so suzuku is getting his physical and we don't see the actual physical part of it uh just at the end uh the doctor seems to just be talking to him like a like a therapist saying uh, you know uh kids of famous people seem to be under a lot of pressure which would explain why he doesn't like to kill people maybe that's the reason why he doesn't like to kill people hmm, i wonder i wonder if it's just killing people is generally considered wrong this scene is so weird because, A, this isn't a physical. B, all of this I know is set up for what we're getting next episode. Mm -hmm. But also, it's the most ham-fisted, we threw everything at the wall to try and justify what we're about to do moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, well, here's the thing. I could buy that they called it a physical when really it's uh, uh like a like a mental wellness check because of his breakdown the other day or, or okay. like whatever weeks back so they go we got to keep an eye on him but we don't want to spook him or or make him think that he's crazy or unstable so why don't we just call it a physical and then talk about his uh emotional trauma so have that scene that could slide by okay that's a reasonable read my guess is the show might not be smart enough to be pulling that, but I'm going to I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt here. I'm going to give him the wallpaper because this is so odd otherwise. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. This is definitely foreshadowing for next episode, like a thousand percent. I mean, granted, he was already not killing people, but like underlining it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, at the final prime minister's grave, speaking of which, uh, we see uh, Toto there meeting with some of his people. And I think they're the other... Um, was it the four heavenly swords? There's at least two of them. I don't know if we saw more, the full group. Yeah. But the view that we see them from is from a bunch of troops who are observing them through binoculars. They ID him and then they go to move in. We don't see what happens after that. We're sort of led to believe that uh, he might be taken off the board. Yep. So Dietard and Zero have a very businesslike phone chat. The media man has basically pitched converting the Black Knights into a full cell-based terrorist structure, and Lelouch is hella into this. He's going to bring it up with Ovi mm -hmm. in the morning. 
Uh, we cut from that to Mao deciding to pick up Cece at an abandoned amusement park after hours, just really hammering home the this crazy bastard is the Joker metaphor. Like, this this has to be a reference to that episode of Cowboy Bebop with, like, the cloud assassin. Pierre LeFou? The... Yes, Pierre LeFou. Because uh, it's it's... It looks so similar, like even like the color palette and like some of the camera angles, like it's very much feels like it's referencing that. If the production lined up a little more, I would say it was probably bleed over from Japan doing a lot of the animation on Batman, the animated series, but it doesn't. Mm, Yeah, I could. I see what you mean there. Yeah. Also similar vibes. Yeah. They they had to do a lot of scenes at abandoned amusement parks with those series, but by the time you really got into a bunch of them, I don't think anyone from this studio would have been TMS veterans. Uh, we get a brief flashback of all of Mao's trauma. Apparently, she gave this kid a gias at six years old, and that explains a lot about his childlike nature, given that he hasn't really been able to interact with anyone since this. And, and like, he was, a. Uh... He was basically like a unhoused orphan, right? Who was getting like beat up in the streets. Later this episode, we find out he was an orphan. He yeah. might still be illiterate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Just, yeah. So it almost almost felt like a like a pity gias. Here's the thing: not knowing what these contracts are for, what her goal is. This is ten times wilder because with Lelouch. It was a crime of opportunity. This guy is already rebellious. Maybe he's what I need. Maybe she can tell he's a prince. She saw a child in the streets and went, I have this thing in my pocket that if I give it to him will Mm -hmm. become an unknown gun. Let's do it. (laughs) Because we now know she doesn't know what a gas becomes until someone has it. Like, that's the wildest thing about this is that, like, it is really just RNG superpower. There's so much about her powers we don't know right now. And that makes this hilarious that at some point in time, she thought, from the mouths of babes comes something good, according to the Bible. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, Cece? But she says she's here to finish what she started and pulls a gun on him. We cut away to the sound of a shot. Elsewhere, Lelouch realizes his phone recorded their call for some reason. He listens to it and discovers that the theme park they're at is Clovis Land. I love this. I love this so so much. I mean, like, it it makes perfect sense that the dude would fucking build one of these, probably with state money, Mm -hmm. and name it after himself. Like, that kind of odes. Like, just how shitty this guy is. Like, I kind of miss Clovis because I kind of wanted his, like, shittiness to be around more, but nope. <laughs> I guarantee one of the 18 spinoff manga covers a bit of the Clovis era because I feel like the writers also are like, oh, this guy was so much fun. Yeah, but the thing is, I guess the problem would be just be he would just be terrible in a way that's not fun instead of terrible in the way that's fun. Like these little bits are fun. Probably all the other subjugation and terrible things he was uh, <laughs> deal or dealing or not dealing with probably uh, less entertaining. That's true. 
Although I imagine that if you needed a cheap prequel manga that would flesh out mm-hmm. a bunch of characters, you have Clovis versus the JLF. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. could totally do that. Also, I still can't tell, and we'll get into this when we get to that scene, if we're trying to make Clovis an actual human figure with, like, tragedy. Anyway, uh, Lelouch goes into an underground access way and starts hacking into something. So we return to Clovis land. Uh, the gunshot was Mao shooting CC instead of the opposite because she couldn't bring herself to pull the trigger. And he only shot her in the shoulder, though, and uh, took her hesitation as a sign of her true love for him. And then th- this just like this escalates oh, so yes. much because like big misery vibes to, to a certain degree here. That's <laughs> uh Misery, the, the the Stephen King story. Oh, I know what you mean. I no, I, I just tell it to the audience because not everyone knows that I've been <laughs> I've been listening to uh, just King things like until I caught up oh, for like a month. The one of these that I always think of is a scene from The Americans. Oh, which season was that? Uh, one or two. I want to say one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I yeah. I, I stopped mid season three, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds familiar. You're right. Getting it out of the Yikes. hotel. Oh, <laughs> also Saudi Arabia. <laughs> uh, same thing. Anyway, he proceeds to shoot her other arm and both legs, basically just, you know, immobilizing her. And like, he knows that she's not going to die. So like to him, this doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tells her that uh, he's built a beautiful white mansion for them in Australia and he's going to uh, take her there and keep her there and they'll be happy together forever. Shrug. You're right. This is a very teenager plan, right? Yeah, he's he's Mao is so weird because on the one hand, he has what would be a game ending power if he mm-hmm. was anything other than mentally six to ten years old. Mm hmm. Yeah. But also, he does pull off things, and I have to wonder, did he build that mansion himself, or did mm-hmm. he somehow blackmail a construction crew into building a mansion by mm-hmm. knowing their secrets? I mean, there also has to be, like, there are probably tons of ways you could make a lot of money by either scamming people or like doing some other thing with a mind reading skill. Like, I mean, like what if you're like playing poker and then you just make hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, because you could just read people's minds and know their hands, you know, like there there are ways you could probably say like he bought it legitimately or like you hired people legitimately to build it. But like, look, that's thinking way too far ahead for what this show really wants to do with this. And also this character is definitely not thinking of anything in a long-term fashion. Absolutely not. One of the ways he's going to make sure this plan happens uh, is he he, he produces a chainsaw. Yeah. Perfectly normal. <laughs> pulls it out of his ass and says, well, you're a little too big to fit in the overhead carry-on. So I'm going to like break you down a little bit so I can shove you into a tiny bag. And uh, then I'll take you to Australia and it'll be great. And this is where I go like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> like it was one thing to say, okay, I'm going to immobilize you and take you out. But also it raises a lot of questions about her healing ability. Like, does that mean she needs like the limbs to be like attached back to her tarso for her to fully heal? Or is she just going to like grow new arms? I don't know. A lot of questions. I don't know. And you got a 18 hour flight to Australia to figure them out. What is he going to do with, with the arm? I don't want to know, but you could do some pretty bad things with that arm. Well, Lelouch is going to test that blood that he was thinking about from episodes ago. <laughs> uh, suddenly, uh, nearby, this group of screens uh, lights up with Lelouch's face. And it's on like a little platform, so I guess this is where they do like little skits and stuff. Yeah, it's clearly a stage show area. Yeah, yeah. And he tells... Uh, he says that CC told him all about Mao's powers, so he knows that there's no way that he could read his mind because he is all the way at Tokyo Tower, which is way more than 500 meters away. And Mao mocks him saying, uh, sure, but what can you do from that distance? Send some kind of toy after me? Lecture me to death? And instead, Lelouch bites back. You don't get it, do you? CC told me all about your powers. And I'll bet you never even thought that Cece isn't her real name, did you? And so Lelouch starts twisting the knife in this kid at this point, going, I know her name, and I got to see all of her, the parts you never did. And he just shy of says, I fucked your mommy figure. <laughs> I'm your daddy now. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's leaded in real hard with what is... The closest they could get to saying it without actually saying it. <laughs> yeah. And like, there's a line later when we get the backstory to this where I go like, this gets weird and weirder and grosser. But like, yeah, ugh, let's great. cover that now because I, I skipped over that flashback later since it was basically stuff we put in right here. Gotcha. OK, yeah. So like the thing is when. After she gives him the gios, they hang together for a while, and he basically, like, completely, uh, like, imprints on, or she imprints on him. I don't know which, which direction that goes. He imprints she, on her. He, yeah. he imprints on her. And uh, the one thing that he says, like, oh, yes, I was, like, his family or whatever, but also his lover is the line that they tag right on the end there. And that raises a lot of questions, giving his age her question mark age. I take that to mean he doesn't know what that means. Because mm -hmm. again, he was 10 when she last saw him. But the thing is, he can read minds. He can learn from things from other people, even when he's not trying to. He could, but I don't think he does, mm -hmm. given a lot of the way he reacts. He never shows any kind of desire for that. What he wants is to be alone with her so he doesn't have to hear thoughts, but still has someone to interact with. Yeah, no, I think ultimately that's that's the goal, but also he's like literally in love with her, and I think that was an expectation from their previous relationship. At least that's what the show is telling me. I feel like maybe he knows of the concept of sex, but mm. I don't think he has any desire yeah. for it, just based on all the ways he acts and speaks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just imagine if you could just hear everyone's, like, 
like little sex daydreams and fetishes and stuff all the time. Like I'd be so fucking rich. (laughs) Yo, you yes, you you would be. Yeah. However, (laughs) like I can imagine that's pretty scarring, especially when you're too young to understand it. I've told you the story that the Lynch movie Blue Velvet was my childhood, right? No, you've you've told me this, and I've yeah. yet to watch it. I just oh, okay. know a scene or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that uh, like, I, I'm familiar with this. Like, the two things I know about Blue Velvet is Paps Blue Ribbon and Baby Wants to Fuck. And that's it. That's yeah. all I know. Yeah. There yeah. you go. But, I mean, without any context, without any idea where the story goes, that's just all I know. Like, part of me wants to watch it, and part of me wants to, wants to go, like, that might be a little too heavy for me. I don't know. It's it's a very good film with a very good cast. Just realize that Roger Ebert fucking hated it. Uh, he hated a few things that were That's exactly it. Sometimes that's the selling point people need. <laughs> it got a visceral reaction out of old Raj. As we return to the show, this taunting is enough that Mao begins going full Leatherface on the screen, screeching and cursing Lelouch's name as all of the LED displays collapse under a chainsaw assault. It also keeps him distracted in his rage as a full police battalion moves in, nightmare frame, riot shields, and guns aplenty to surround the boy, and a familiar-looking officer quietly picks up Cece's wounded form in the crowd. Lelouch, this is the first time in this uh, pair of episodes that he just starts taunting the taller teen in his mind, knowing Mm -hmm. Mao can read his thoughts. He's just like, yeah, I won this round. Cece belongs Mm -hmm. to me now. (laughs) It's great. It's great because it also makes him look more crazy because he's like shouting half a conversation uh, like all these other cops. I mean, as far as we know, only one of them is gassed. Like... I just go like, this guy's crazy. He's just like having a talk with nobody. Mm-hmm. I feel like he must have taken the squad just to make sure this goes off without a hitch. And so they don't remember anything. Yeah, but you know, this just, this is, the, I know the way they it's one of those things that, yeah, we can't, we can't linger on too much, but otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I think. I, I would say it's probably just the police chief. That that would be my guess. I mean, because that's what they show. And yeah. We see the other cops. We just don't see their eyes. Either way, Lelouch gets away with this because as Mao starts screaming, do you know who that man is? He's and then gunfire cuts Mao off and apart with his last grasp on the ground being zero. Lelouch then proceeds to Gias, a helicopter pilot who radios in and says that, uh, Per orders, he's going to release the hostage into the ghetto. (laughs) Yeah, that's perfectly, that makes perfect sense. I love the angry dispatcher. Yeah, basically the dispatcher is like, being like, what the the fuck are you doing? What are you, what? You were supposed to take her to a hospital. (laughs) Because she's, you know, she has bullet wounds in all of her limbs. And uh, anyway, as they're alone, he swears to Cece that uh, he'll bastard the power of Gias, he being Lelouch, if he didn't say it, and fulfill his contract with her, but partway into his working up a full head of steam for his speech, she cuts him off to ask him a question, which is, are you trying to comfort me, pity me, or is this just part of your obsession? And part of me wants to go, yes. Yes, yeah. all of it. All of it, actually. <laughs> it doesn't matter. 
you know this. You know this guy. And he his answer is actually is a little better than that because he says, uh, it's a contract, this time from me to you. Then she puts out her hand saying that she accepts and he takes it and they shake and that is the end of the episode. I like how the teasers are starting to screw with you at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Because the first is that the audio is Lelouch saying, now is the time to stop dicking around with tiny battlefields and make a move to control Tokyo and on Cornelia. We must use everything we can, is spoken just before the title Nunley Held Hostage pops on the screen. Which basically says, nope, we're not doing that t- next week. Sorry. <laughs> and the second is that the visuals are all of a silent conversation between a disguised Cece and Lelouch just before the last like frames are a familiar madman's bandaged arms popping into frame when the title blanks everything. Good tease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that takes us into episode 16, Nunnally Held Hostage. This episode definitely seems to be a we slash the budget to save for future events cheapy. There are some bonkers editing decisions throughout. Uh, one of the key moments of the episode consists of three still shots and zooms on a single cell. It's terrible. <laughs> but we kick off with Callan booting the Garen Mark II on board yet another armored transport boat belonging to the Black Knights. Her startup screen is way less extra than the Lancelot's boot procedures. Mm-hmm. So Dieter is on a call with Lelouch and narrates a variety of updates for us. Uh, the Gurn is going to get a refit because Kyoto has worked out a deal with the Indian military. So, so, th- so the designer of the suit is going to uh, bring her team into Japan and work on the machine. And so we can sell more toys down the road. The Black Knights have nearly entirely converted to the cell based structure. And like, it's so hilarious how it's just like a fucking spreadsheet. Like, it's I just know. so funny to me. It's not even a spreadsheet. It's a flow chart. <laughs> MyCrimes.xls. <laughs> MyCrimes.ppt. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Yeah. So, yeah, there's like, they say there's 14 layers from the top to the bottom. And, like, just to show just how pervasive and, like, you know, these the cell network is, we do see a little scene of Lelouch handing off a disc to a random janitor on campus with mission instructions, because apparently that's the safest way to do that. It does make a hilarious amount of sense if you think that to this janitor, oh, yeah, just some random messenger for the cause, not this is zero. And the best part of this is that this is entirely spearheaded by a guy who who's just loves drama. Yes. Like that's he's not doing this because he cares about the movement or he cares about honor or justice. He's just like, this would make a great fucking show, wouldn't it? Yeah. This is going to make things so much more interesting. It's like the such an extreme version of like reality tv or something like that like there's just something about it it's just so like oh so you are the 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 writers of the show you're basically being the writers of the show being like ooh, this would be fun i would also love to see just i don't need a full george rr R. martin style tome i just want to see a brief light novel that is a history book about how this world's development changed. is this the first time terrorists have ever thought of the cells idea <laughs> Did Dietert invent modern terrorism? 
Perhaps he did. Perhaps he did. I mean, like, we don't know what happens in other other territories, right? Like, we, we have no view into them at all. And I don't know if the show goes to, like, hey, by the way, there's other, you know, let's put pressure in multiple places and talk to these other uh, resistance groups. We don't know anything about that right now. I loosely gather season two deals more with world politics. I would imagine, like... I have no idea where this show's going to go, really. Like, how wide or how broad is it going to stretch? But you never know. Like, that doesn't surprise I'll, me. I'll tell you case. this. Season one is Japan-centric. That makes sense. Right. I mean, you probably could have made the whole thing about Japan. I'm sure you could have. Like, this show loves to stretch shit out. Mm-hmm. And it does that because there's just so many parts to it that you could just jump between the different like, oh, here's the school life part and here's the mech part and here's the political intrigue and here's the personal stakes. And they're all like sort of competing for airtime. It's something that now that I have the full picture makes this a little more interesting because almost every scene that I was calling out at first is, oh, this is weird. Why did we why did we do this? is just used as justification for something a little later. It's just they don't really seed it well. Mm. So it'll be, all right, this this thing happens next time, or this thing happens four episodes later. There's no in-between. You don't yep. have multiple building events. Well, and, and they just drop stuff and pick it back up later. Like, are exactly. we going to go back to, to Nina's... Um, infatuation with euphemia i'm <laughs> sure it's not done <laughs> i yeah exactly like i can't imagine that they're just gonna leave it at that but like you know they don't talk about it for like three episodes or whatever and then like there's like one line i think in the next in this episode where she shows up for a second yeah she basically her entire yeah. role in student council meetings right now is to get clowned on for subtle horny Exactly. And nobody knows. Absolutely nobody suspects anything. Yeah. Yeah. So members of the Black Knights have gone out of their way to infiltrate every level of society from train security to the farmers to the janitors and other other blue collar staff that would otherwise go unnoticed uh, by the Britannian uh, police and military. So out of over 500 locations in the Canto block have armored groups ready to go. And that's that's a lot. <laughs> that's oh, a yeah. lot for not a very large area geographically. Like, it's almost like you could just carpet bomb the place and just kill half of them just by accident. There's a very funny line in the dub. I don't know if it's accurate to the translation, which is we've got men in every warehouse every warehouse that's a lot of warehouses yeah uh, i mean like the the funny thing is that zero isn't in enough places to make this happen this well i guess Dieter is also like quarterbacking it as well but like you have to have a lot of really competent people to be this good at this but we don't know who they are really uh it's very funny especially something at this scale Dieter, Ogie. Maybe CC. I don't Maybe think Callan has a head for management. No, Callan is really like she's the ace pilot and that's all we know she does. And we don't see her do any other strategic or like like infrastructure work. She just she pilot the mech real good. I do like that they just gave her that one thing and didn't also decide to make zero an ace pilot, though. 
Thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this would be a lot less fun if Zero was also like the the hero, like the, the battle hero as well. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that almost every event where he's in a mech, he gets fucked up is pretty good, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he's just like, yeah, I need to blend in with the regular soldiers because I would get my ass handed to me. And Give me a Zaku. That way Char can't find me. <laughs> but yeah, out of that 500, 32 have been rooted out by the state, but 11 of those were decoys, which is, you know, pretty good. They're, they're doing pretty a pretty good job of making sure they don't like get caught. And even when they do caught, get caught, uh, they can't give up a lot of information because uh, InfoSec is very important. And, uh, you know, they've never been able to get above what, like rank eight or something like out of 14. Yeah. Uh, like they, they give it a, a specific number, but they're, they're basically the Britannians are not making any progress. And uh, one of their main objectives has become uh, finding the uh, the missing Toto and the four holy swords that we saw last episode, and we don't know what their fates are. We then see that Lelouch's half of this call is being held in an airport. Cece, in disguise, is being sent to the Chinese Federation as a messenger. From above, we see that this is the scene from the teaser, and an ominously alive Mao is bandaged up and watching as a dramatic sting plays. Oh my god. <laughs> so uh, stupid. We then cut into a flashback, but not to why Mao survived. You find out why Lelouch and Suzuku are two different flavors of fucked up, as Lelouch, carrying his blind sister, continues marching through a bombed-out locale of Japanese civilians and burnt houses as a child. Mm-hmm. Lelouch tells Dunley that they're moving to the Kuvarugi household, you know, one of the side buildings just out of the way. And amidst all of the horror around them, Suzuku just stops in his tracks and gapes. Mm-hmm. Lelouch is going, we should keep moving, Suzuku. We should keep moving, Suzuku. But mm-hmm. Dunley's going, where are we? It smells terrible. Lelouch is like, it's a garbage dump. We're going through a garbage dump. Right, Suzuku? Because that w- that's what a garbage dump smells like. <laughs> you know, I don't know if a royal would know. That's fair. But also, there's probably a decent whiff of barbecue as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we then cut to both men having a long, dark night of the soul, Lelouch alone in his bedroom for the first time in months, and Suzuku staring at paperwork in the Lancelot's hangar. It's so dark. <laughs> Uh, the tone of this show is all over the place. Yep. The next day, as class bells ring, uh, the two run into each other on campus. Uh, Suzuku gives Lulu shit about how, uh, you know, you're not going to graduate if you don't actually show up to class. But Lulu, she's just like, what about you, buddy? And he's like, well, I have a, I have a job, you know, and, you know, I got to I got to hang out with the, um, the engineers who are helping fight the Black Knights because I'm not in the military. And he's like, really? <laughs> He's yeah. Like, actually, yeah, yeah. Basically, I don't. Everyone knows he's a soldier, right? Like people know this, right? Isn't that the, he works for the military? His cover is he is just in the engineering corps, which technically wouldn't be a full soldier. Like to them, they're still thinking he doesn't get to he doesn't get to carry mm. guns. Well, that's true. He still doesn't get to carry guns technically, which is very funny, actually. But he knows that. He, I, I guess you would you call like that troop he was in at the beginning of the show part of the military or not 
Um, I wouldn't say military. They were a mm. non-citizen police force. Yeah, that makes more sense. Because that was the path to citizenship, was doing stuff like that. <laughs> it's just, just being a cannon fodder, like unarmed cannon fodder. Yeah. Lelouch uh, then offers to uh, have him come over for dinner because, uh, you know, not only misses you. And uh, Sisigu says that he's free right before uh, Revolves nearly uh, just turns them into roadkill with his bike. He, like, drives in and does, like, a power slide and just almost clocks both of them. Hey, Lelouch! What's wrong? I heard the president's out doing a blind date thing again. Yeah. Today. Today? Why didn't you tell me about it? Because it'd make you cry. Boys don't cry! It's okay. I didn't know about it either. Don't give me your emo routine! Emo? I guess compassion is not in fashion these days. And Revolves is just absolutely, like, out of his mind that Lelouch didn't tell him Millie was on a date because apparently he has, like, a massive crush on her. I forgot if that was a thing before. Yeah, it hasn't come up in ages, but yes, he's he's very into the president. I mean, a lot of people are, apparently. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, she's hot. I get it. But but then uh, Suzuku says, like, don't feel so bad. Lelouch didn't tell me either. And Revolves just sounds like, don't give me your emo, root- emo routine. I do love Suzuku's quick response. Emo? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to imagine Suzuku having any kind of relation to pop culture is pretty good. God, no, he would be like the biggest poser emo kid. Like, that tracks so hard. No, no, I think Suzuku would absolutely be the guy who never makes the time to see blockbusters, but looks up a summary of them every time so he can fake his way through a conversation. Oh, he's totally a poser. Yeah. He's totally like like a sheltered rich kid who's a po- who's trying to pose as someone cool. Like, that's totally a thing. What? Oh, yeah, Black Panther 2, I saw it. It was kind of weird how they did that to the dad, but you know what? oh my god i just imagined what a film like black panther that's doing identity politics in this world would look like and i hate it it can't be it can't be good it cannot be good thank god chris is not here right now (laughs) no i mean to be honest like probably a lot of the films you 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 probably have a like i'm thinking about inglorious bastards like the 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 propaganda films yeah. Yeah. There's got to be a lot of that. I think I've seen mention of us getting one of those movies at some point. Maybe it's an alternate universe thing. I don't know. Mm. Mm. That sounds pretty fun. Anyway, back at the apartment, a door opens and Nunley says, Wow, Sayoko, you're early. A second period isn't for another hour. But the person who responds is not Sayoko. It is a clapping, jacked up bow. <laughs> it's hard to describe how comically off-model he is. His arms are in different size casts, two of his fingers appear to be half their length under the bandages, part of his face is bandaged like he's a 2000s rapper, and he is now wearing a backwards cap as well as his headphone and visor combo. A lone pirate boot is sticking out under his lab coat. This... If I didn't make this the episode art, please... Please remind me to put this somewhere. Yeah. Ugh. It's so stupid that he's alive. It's so stupid. <laughs> and I think this is one of the only times where not naming 
the time period between episodes really works, because that's the only way you explain how he's up and walking around. Yeah, but it does really feel like the next day. <laughs> like, to, in my mind, if... Yeah. I presume the Dietard montage is meant to be things have happened in the last month. Right, because, like, here's the thing, right? Like, last episode, he tells Millie, play along, right? Like, yep. hey, by the way, we're in a fight. And, like, how much longer is that going to go for? That's a good... Before people start going, like, what? No, she actually sounds the like... student council breaks is. time again. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it does, like... I could give it a week, but, like, it does feel like he just, like, got up the next day and got out. And, like, it, it almost made me think of, like, oh, wait, do Gias guys get healing too? No, they don't. That's no. the whole thing. No, like, they don't. So we smash cut from Mao grinning for a second uh, over to Lloyd, who apparently is the subject of Millie's blind date. Wow, what a payoff to that Earl thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is hysterical. Uh, like, because they are in the hangar that he works at. You know, he's at his console. He's in his lab coat, you know, drinking his coffee or whatever. And she is there dressed up in like a full like noble woman's uh, go on outfit. It, it it seems extremely like pseudo Victorian or like modernized Victorian style, uh, like way way over the top. Yeah, she's covered in ribbons, lace, mm -hmm. a wide ornate hat. Like it feels so weird seeing this in this context of this show because I don't know if we've ever seen. Have we seen outfits like this in the show, or was that like way? Or I guess we've seen like the court. Scenes. We've seen a bit of the court. We saw when yeah. Euphemia arrived as euphemia right it just like it really extra clashes here because every other time we've seen it it was in an environment where everyone's dressed like that and it's all nobility and it makes sense here it's just like she she's in the fucking xenosaga hangar with the robots right? yes yeah this is like if xion showed up dressed for a full date at work just imagine if she was like oh we're gonna have dinner and it's like are we eating here? What are we, are we having Chinese takeout? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's so clear that Lloyd gives zero shits about this whole situation. And yes. like, not like he doesn't care. He's just indifferent to it. And he's like, all right, cool. So you want to get married then? And she's like, what? That That's it? I don't even know if it's supposed to be. Oh, yeah, they're, they're going to get married down. Just, I don't know. <laughs> like like he, he has a, this has extreme uh like lavender marriage vibes to me just being like yes. yeah sure that'll be some cover mm -hmm. i'm gonna be honest you could tell me lloyd is gay for susaku and i could read it just as much as lloyd is straight for cecile as much as lloyd would fuck a car it's hard to imagine him having sex or sexual thoughts i mean i would imagine that he finds the data erotic yes the combat data and the that's robots. exactly it yeah he's he's robosexual probably <laughs> mm -hmm. we then return to the Lamperouge apartment where lelouch goes to tell nunnally that suzuku's coming over for dinner mm -hmm. this is the scene i mentioned earlier where um everything is so budget because it's conveyed via him standing in the doorway we cut to the table where paper cranes are around a photo of Nunnally tied up with her mouth taped. And then we have Lelouch make a one-frame angry face, which we zoom uh -huh. in on. Uh -huh. <laughs> Love 
Hold but on. at this point, Mao calls and says, Britannian medical science is so amazing, and that's why he's alive. <laughs> I'm just making the jack-off motion right now. This oh, is, yeah. This is so dumb. He tells Lelouch he has five hours to locate his sister. They're within 500 meters of the apartment, and also, you really should have asked the cops to kill me, not just shoot me. Wording matters, buddy boy. But you would imagine that with fucking 20 cops unloading at you, you'd be dead as fuck no matter what. You'd be hit with a thousand bullets. Matt, Mao's white. Oh. No, he's Chinese. <laughs> we know he's Chinese. Uh... I don't know how that plays in on this world, but I will also say, I don't think we've <laughs> seen a single black person in the show. You're right. No, he is anime white. That is absolutely true. Uh, uh, like, the, the best we've had is, like, Valletta is tan. She is she is brown of some sort. Valletta is kind of gray. <laughs> well, like, I mean, that's like... Yeah, I mean, like, she, she's just a different, she's clearly a different skin tone than everybody else, but it's I never I feel like on. we have to see what the Indian scientist looks like when she gets here before we can comment on Ooh, that. Oh, that's gonna be fun, yep. question mark. I don't know if I want to say fun, but interesting. <laughs> we well know the history of Britain and India. True. Anyway... Uh, when Mao hangs up, we see Lelouch start running around campus frantically in a search, and then the camera zooms out on the hostage-and-taker duet. They're in the sewage tunnels under the campus. Nunley, despite having just heard this band blatantly say, You should have killed me when you had the chance, Lelouch! You didn't finish me off! Still thinks that whoever this person is, he's just playing a game with Lelouch, and this seems to be over the line to her. Just, just, this is so dumb. This is so, so dumb. This shit would basically blow up her in the entire artifice that is, like, Lelouch and Nunnally's relationship, right? Like, it has to. I know you can't say anything. If it were anyone but Mao, this would be where anyone else would tell her. But Mao is just laughing his ass going, oh my god, this thing you two have going, this is the best. He finds it hilarious. <sighs> I mean, the thing is, like, if, okay, Lelouch tells Nunnally, hey, I got this real hellish game I'm playing with this dude. It's really out there. And then she goes, and, and if you overheard the other side of that, the guy saying, like, you really should have had the cops murder me instead of just shoot me. Nunnally would have been like, what the fuck is my brother doing? Even if it is a game, it's a pretty fucked up game. <laughs> what are the VR games in this society? Because early on, we have... Callan cover, well, cover for her whole thing with Zero by telling Lelouch, uh, yeah, no, it was just one of those MMO games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't gotten, like, anything happening in the MMO, so you have the characters, like, in outfits and shit, like we saw in Birdie Wing. Yeah, this is this is before you really had that as a genre. I think Dot Hack is going to follow this by a couple of years, or maybe when it's did, um, just uh, the same time. When did Sword Art Online come out? Sword Art Online is way later. Is that way later? Okay, Dot Hack is like really the first one of those. Oh yeah, by like a decade. Yeah, uh, Sword Art Online was 2014 as a novel. Huh. I didn't realize it was. You know, I just have no idea about like when certain things came out back in the day that are just, like, ubiquitous parts okay, of okay. Uh, so dot the hack, anime landscape. Okay, so .hack had started by this point and burned through its first wave, because that was 2002. 
yeah, that 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 checks out about when, you know, the PS2 game started coming out shortly after. God, you don't realize that that thing was one of the first and kind of successful cross-media saturations that uh, Bandai mm. Namco did, because that had, like, five manga, it had an anime OVA that was yeah. only contained in the RPGs. Yeah. Like, the only the only thing that, like, surpasses it in my mind is the Fate series now, because, like, oh, I don't know what goddamn thing about it, I just know there's too many of them, and they're all over the place. Like, when I was in Japan, I, I was, like, I checked almost every single gachapon machine because I wanted to grab something that was interesting to me. And other than like some, some of them are like just random shit, but like literally 90% of them were, were fate related. And I'm like, how is this possible? Give me a fucking Pokemon or some shit. <laughs> and I, I did end up getting one. I, I found exactly one that I was interested in and it was a Kirby one. And I have it right nice. here. This little Kirby holding a, a hamburger. You know what? Was I'm the- down for that. Kirby is allowed to eat meat. I will say it was one of the rare ones. So I was like, it was like I wanted this one or the curry Kirby. And then the other ones were just other characters that I didn't care about. Nice. I also found exactly one that was um, Dragon Quest themed. And it was like inside of a toy store, like tucked away. And I managed to get a, a, a blue slime and I sent that over to Phil. Nice. I have a series of slimes lying around. There's uh uh, I almost bought that. I yep. the, the slime knight. I've got a little slime knight that's just chilly. I have a lot of bizarre little plushes that have accumulated over time. This one stays with me. Like I was debating getting that. Instead, I got a cactuar. I, I have silver fun. the hedgehog sitting right here. Um, oh boy! A I have Raiho from the uh, Raiho, the problematic Jack Frost. Mm. Mm. Uh, are you aware mm. of what Raiho's outfit is? No. Uh, okay, sh- you can show me. Show me on the doll where the oh. <laughs> He's wearing a certain era of Japanese military uniform. Yay! You know the uh, one that they actually remove from uh, some of the Chinese and other Asian region releases of those games. Yikes! Uh... Yep, he was a pack in with the first Raido Kuzunoha game. Ha. <laughs> I kind of think that's why they haven't revived that series is that they're like, oh, right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we cut to the student council room where everybody but Lelouch, Shirley, and Millie is present. Revolves is catching them up on the whole their fighting narrative and telling everyone Millie says to play along with this. Yeah, like this is literally the next day, like the next episode. He they're telling the rest of the student council, right? Or actually, yeah. no, this is a this is the same day, same day. So yeah, this must have like literally been like yeah, they were coming back from Narita at the beginning of the episode, right? Well, no, that was yeah, no, no, that, that was the that last one. episode. It's really hard to keep track of this shit, honestly. But yeah, yeah so it once just feels again, like this happened a day ago. Once again, the only thing that breaks these narratives is scenes at the student council room. Yep. If yep. you just yep. cut these. Which I know you need some of. If you just cut these, this timeline is perfectly fine. Look, look. At some point, we need to have a duel. <laughs> Otherwise, this is not truly an Utina spinoff. So. 
There's a bit of banter, and then Rivals basically goes on to say that Lelouch seems like a player, but he doesn't know how to fuck at length. <laughs> and every time he intimates this, Nina gets even more nervous and blushy because she realizes she, too, doesn't know how to fuck. It's such a weird scene. This is something that I've seen in Japanese media so much, which is just teenagers not knowing what sex like they know they want sex they don't know how to sex and i'm like does nobody have any access to pornography in japan hey are you kidding me the best the best series for this if you want to see this explained in an actual mature well-written way oh maidens in their savage season <laughs> mario kata knows how teens think about sex. God, yeah, like there there are there are some shows where it's like, okay, you date long enough, you go to a hotel, you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Or like they talk to each other of, oh, we're, we're, so-and-so has been going. Usually it's like 14, 15-year-old girl has a college boyfriend and it's gross. Or is doing compensated dating and it's gross. And et cetera, et cetera. And like, ugh. like sometimes it's just like, wait, wait you're how old and you don't know that you put the thing in the thing. And usually that's the standard, but that's not always the way the thing works, mm-hmm. but like, come on, come on. <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess it's just different in the States where chances are you probably saw some board before you were 12. Anyway, uh, Arthur bites Suzuku to end the conversation abruptly, just in time for a panting Lelouch to bust into the room, look around, not respond to anyone and run back out. This causes only Suzuku and nobody else to grow concerned and follow him out of the room. Also, he's wearing uh, a little earpiece. Like he, he's got he's got the little uh, like microphone um, headset, like one eared headset thing. Yeah, honestly, so it's very obvious. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, Japan's phone stuff was uh, years ahead of ours. Oh, yeah. But also, it's just like everyone's like, why is he so distracted? It's because he's clearly talking to somebody he's on the this entire phone. time. Yeah, he's on the phone. A few moments later, Lelouch fumbles the kidnapping photos uh, that he has uh, from Mao, which Suzuku sees. And then he goes, oh, I, I need to get in on this. Uh, I care about Natalie. Uh, I can help. And Lelouch is like, shit, but you actually might be useful. Um, elsewhere, uh, Ogi still has Valetta in the safe house. And now she's cooking for him just to like show how much of a change of personality she is. She said she is now a perfectly demure woman who knows how to cook once again darling in the Bronx. <laughs> actually actually you know what this reminds me of it reminds me of um re zero oh. how familiar are you with that series very i did a whole lp of that game okay there's a game <laughs> resident evil zero no 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 so, sorry sorry Oh, the, oh, the Isekai re, series. Re, re, okay. Re, I, always, I always call it RE0. Re0. Sorry. Got it. Got me. it. Sorry. Um, like starting from zero. That's why I was very worried. Or like, that's the shittiest one. Oh, no, no, no. Where are you going no. with that? No, um, no, but it, loosely, I, I know the basic concept and a buddy of mine tells me about something. Uh, okay. Spoilers for early season two of yeah. the anime. I don't know which light novel this is. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I know. I'm just t- t- for the audience. Uh, there's a character that I like. One of the few characters I actually liked in that show was a character named uh, Crush or Krush. Mm-hmm. And basically she is very Valletta like she was like, ve- well, more masculine coded really than Valletta is. But like she's like 
she she's very like she's a badass general who leads people into battle and she's like you know on top of her shit super sharp and then something happens and she loses her memories and gets turned into a demure quiet woman and i'm like they, they did the exact same thing with Loretta. Like the, the second, the what? I'm sorry. So I went to look up a picture of this character, and it got two things. One, the very first bit of summary is a candidate to become the 42nd king, and then people also ask what happened to Crush <laughs> during the events of Arc Three. Crush's memories were eaten by Libatan Kaidos. Lie batten kaidos. Uh yeah. No. <laughs> it's it's fucking it's a, the 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 funniest thing about that show. Well, there's two very funny things about I'm going to say the show because I haven't read the novels. Is that like the the overarching plot is like try to get this like basically get into uh the royal family. Like there's a contest to become like the next princess or whatever. Mhm. And the entire second season is a side story diversion that has nothing that literally does not put any of that a second step forward because it's an entire basically it's like what if it what if you had a bottle season of nonsense <laughs> like and on top of that they also memory wiped um, Rem the favorite character the the blue haired maid girl that everyone's in love with from season one and okay. now she is completely useless and it's also hysterical. I have to. Uh... I have to make a very me rant for a minute. Go ahead. So there are two characters who I know of and knew of well before any of my friends started interacting with the series in ReZero who are, is it Rem and Ram? Rem and Ram, yep. Okay. The problem is there are two characters who look very similar to these named ah. Ram and Ram in Neptunia, who are the oh, really? DS analog. They're twins. That is the joke. They're from the Nintendo faction. And uh -huh. let me tell you, when people just start talking about Ram over and over, and it's a very similar looking character, and then I have to figure this shit out from context every time, I hate it. Can I... Oh god, I just looked them up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're involved in um what is unanimously the worst scene of the entire franchise. I can I can guess why because they look like they're eight. Yeah, the yeah. the whole joke is they're supposed to be the younger siblings of the already underpowered um mm -hmm. Wii analog. Man, man, I I don't mm. love it. But I, I feel like I should be put on a list for just Googling this. Jesus Christ. Look, like, there's <laughs> a reason I do not suggest we ever do Neptunia for LST, because I would hear endless bitching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but anyway, uh, both Rem and Ram and these two that we just mentioned, they all suck. They're all terrible characters. They, they really are. Yeah, you will never find me buying figures or anything of any of these. I like the Neptunia series, I, you could burn off the entire fucking Nintendo yeah. side of it, and I would not care. Anyway, yeah, so Suzuku's now in on the game, and uh, Lelouch gives him the, uh, the the short version of the story with uh, a lot of omission, of course, with the whole Gios thing and the Zero thing, and 
basically everything other than Nunnally is captured by a psychopath. And that's pretty much it. He's like, he, he just he just wants a woman all to herself. Isn't that gross? Which is actually kind of what he's doing anyway. No, that's, that's literally it. He's, he lies by omission, but he does tell the truth to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, he's definitely, he says he's definitely nearby and is watching me and calling me on the phone. And uh, I can't get the cops in on this because uh, if they get involved, chances are his whole um, background would get exposed and that would be very, very bad. And Suzuku goes, uh, well, I guess it's just the two of us on this uh, case then. And then um, Suzuku's like, this doesn't have to do with your gambling habit, does it? And he's like, no, no. <laughs> it It's so funny that it's been so long since we saw anything to do with that. And Suzuku's just in like, arc one problems <laughs> he hasn't see, he didn't see this guy for ages but he's been around the student council so much that he just thinks wow lelouch has a problem <laughs> i mean look look when you're when your partner in crime is revolves it's it's gotta be some kind of a problem right that's, like that's true that's true you don't you don't get saddled with the revolves by uh by choice no between the two of them, they put together that Nunnally must be held in these circulation tunnels under the campus. Lelouch just casually hacks the thing to get them down there, despite the code being changed. And Suzuko goes, so this is how you sneak off campus all the time. Lelouch is like, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, the doors open on the elevator, and Suzuku smartly uses his phone to peek around the corner where a machine gun camera turret has been set up in the hallway. Uh-huh. Uh, Suzuku says, eh, these things have got about a half a second of lag time, and Lelouch is going to do the completely reasonable thing of, I'll just press a button on this elevator and take us to a different floor. Suzuku proceeds to run into the hallway, start zigzagging immediately, and then run up a wall to spin kick the camera to pieces. <laughs> Somebody really loved that scene in the first Matrix movie. The <laughs> uh, Lelouch just calls him a goddamn reckless idiot, but he's like, look, man, I'm in the military. This is what you do in the <laughs> engineering core. <laughs> you, you, you spin kick machine guns. That's what you do in the military. Like, I do like that he would be like, yeah, of course he would know it has a half a second of lag time. That makes sense. But good God, man. Mm hmm. Ah, uh, they immediately end up in the same room as Dunley, who is now just sitting in the middle of nowhere with a terrible, untextured CGI object hanging above her, swaying. We cut to it two or three times before someone finally explains she is not under a concrete brick that will fall on her, but a bomb. This is some fucking weak-ass saw shit. What is I, this? I thought this was a giant brick that was supposed to fall on her if like they got too close yeah, it's even dumber it's even dumber than that it's dumber but it <laughs> they didn't texture this at all it just looks like a big brown brick yeah it doesn't look like something that would explode <laughs> at least on its own accord yeah yeah uh, other than the fact that there's a bunch of wires just you know there's the we red don't wire see the, the wires wire at first. we just see it's on a pendulum right. Yeah, it's on it's on a cable, and then there's we find out later there's wires going up the cable around uh, it, not in it, but around it. They were really on a fucking budget crunch this episode. <laughs> Just imagine Mao setting this shit up though. Like, 
how? When? Yeah, Where? we had the discussion about how would he build an entire mansion in Australia. How did he get any of this? <laughs> well, he, he went back to the gun guy and said, hey, I need some C4. I know you sold it to the Black Knights. I need <laughs> you to give me some C4. <laughs> uh, it's probably what happened. Sure. Um, let's go with that. Um, yeah, so the, the two lads look over the bomb and discover that it's motion activated, which is weird because it's swinging. Okay, wait, is it, wait, is this like speed with a bus where if it stops moving? They give an explanation for this, but it makes no sense with how they describe it. So according to their description, this is swinging in a loop. If they break that swing, it will detonate. If they move nunnally, that is when it is motion activated and it will detonate. This uh-huh. does not make sense in any way if you think no. about it for a second. No, because you would have to have like one motion detector that's stable mm-hmm. for the nunnally part to work. Yeah. That's so dumb. Uh, but yeah, it is a strong enough bomb that it would blow up everything within 500 to 600 meters, which... Wouldn't that also kill Mao? So what's the point? Well, no, that means Lelouch can say, oh, so he must be gone. He can't oh, be Oh, you're right, near. you're right, you're right, because he's like, he's not in the blast radius. You know, it would have been much smarter if Mao went, what if it were like 50 meters? And what so if it, it kills were, everybody right next to it. What if it were then a not me? charge? What if, yes, what if it were a fucking Claymore? <laughs> Like so dumb. And I know it's like trying to be like, okay, here's the puzzle pieces. This is how this works. And it, it gives enough room for the characters to play in so they can do their little plan thing. But it's also just like, you could have just used less explosive, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're still being watched on cameras though, so they know what's going on. And Suzuku says that it... See, again, th- actually what makes this even dumber is that Mao could just explode the bomb now and kill all of them. Yeah. He doesn't. He's already out of the blast radius. He can see them on camera. What's his? Was he? Is, does he want to see him fail? Is that the thing? Or he wants to do the. He wants to do the chess match. He he does. He does want to see them fail. He want. He likes the bit where Lelouch is begging. But yeah, otherwise. Yeah. Otherwise, you just you you wanted to kill him. Bam! You kill him. You're done. Uh, anyway, Su- Suzuku says that. If Lelouch thinks that he could figure out the bomb's wiring, Suzuku has the reflexes to disarm it because he's a soldier. And uh, can you use that as part of your calculation for your grand plan? And then we go cut to commercial break. Uh, when we come back, Lelouch is now wandering around campus and just happens to walk right into where Mao is uh, because he is uh, thinking out loud about how much this guy is an asshole and that he has to be around here somewhere. And oh, hey, look, there's a little chapel over here. This seems like a big dramatic place to have a sh- showdown. Yes. Um, on the screen, Suzuku, Nunnally, and the bomb are right where we had left them. Uh, Mao taunts Lelouch, saying that he didn't use his friends, his wits, or even bring a gun. So they'll just have to settle this uh, with Lelouch's specialty, a game of chess. And we have a brief interlude with the only Cornelia and Euphemia in this entire block of episodes. They are in the Viceroy's Palace Garden, and Yuffie comments the structure of the palace and the garden itself are designed in the image of the manor Lelouch's mother, the Lady Marianne, lived in before her assassination. Euphemia comments how uh, 
since she was in charge of cataloging the place while Cornelia was out setting up her campaign, that Clovis really seemed to adore that branch of the family. He painted Lelouch and Nunley multiple times, and this shocks the hell out of Cornelia. You're serious? Mm-hmm. He was always fighting with Marianne's son. I swore they were going to be rivals from a young age. And as we cut away, Cornelia says they have to make the country safe again because Japan feeds on our family's blood, <laughs> listing all of her dead siblings in sorrow. Oh, God. I mean, look, but if they're counting Lelouch as one of, and not only as of the dead, the mother, like the fault is like whoever, it wasn't Japan that killed them. It was the, the fucking it was the invasion, of but the royal they- family. They've been believed dead ever since the invasion, because that's when everyone dropped okay. off the map. Okay, because I, I didn't. I thought they dropped off the map when they left the royal house, like when Lelouch. No, no, they were the sent yeah. over as political capital, and then yeah. the invasion happens, and that's when Lamperouge gotcha. happens. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, like the tone of this is so weird, just because, like, you have Cornelia is like, you know. Doing the, they're lying in a field and they're having a good time and like, you know, Cornelia reaches behind her and caresses Euphemia's cheek. Briefly says it, her sister is getting fat. Rude. Sisters um, in this series are just so cruel about that. Yeah. But it's like, okay, we're supposed to hate Cornelia. She is a awful, shitty person. Why are we making her seem nice? Even if, like, like why are we like this is seems the like exact trying to make why it feel we, better? Why are we humanizing the dead Clovis right now? This is such a weird. What? Yeah, and I can guess where this is going with some context. Without details, I think it's supposed to be there are good people in this fucked up family who are just where they are by circumstance. Yeah, Euphemia. Yeah, Euphemia and Nunnally, yeah. But... Oh yeah, Nunnally too, yeah. Just, just like... It's so weird that... Okay, Clovis seemed like a fop. Clovis seemed like mm-hmm. a fop at worst, disinterested. Yep. Maybe uh-huh. he let his military guys do some things. Because we know General Bartley was doing whatever the hell that experiment with CC was. Mm-hmm. But also... The guy did give an order on camera. Yeah, fuck it. Just purge a ghetto. So he was not yeah. blameless. No. And like, it, it, it's that whole thing of like, how much can you blame somebody for the circumstances of their of their upbringing and like the actions they do as a result of it? And it's like, no, I don't I don't think you should forgive the, the ethnic cleansing on his part or Cornelia's part. <laughs> Because she also ordered a cleansing of the other ghetto when, you know, the first square off. With, I uh, don't zero. think this lands, but it's an interesting no. attempt. It's just you, you can't have a blood first thirsty fighter who is on the evil side and then go, yeah, but she loves her sister, which means she's kind of a good person. No, 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 no. I feel like this scene could work if you gave more of these lines to Euphemia. Yes. Yeah. Euphemia is the one where I would believe that she is supposed to be the 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 one with the cleanest hands. Yeah. The she's a little bit naive and she was too young to really know Clovis much, so she's seeing him through the lens of 
look at this, he seemed to love Lady Marianne and that branch of the family. Yep. And then Cordelia, if Cordelia leaned in a little bit more on, I think you're full of shit, Lelouch hated Clovis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's so weird. Yeah, and then on top of that, like, are we supposed to believe, like, I would believe any of this stuff with Clovis if, like, we had a lingering sense of guilt from Lelouch. Like, we have one scene from Lelouch being like, damn, I shot my brother in the face. Yeah, he vomited once and that was it. That You could just say he just murdered somebody for the first time. That usually, you know, probably shakes somebody up for the most part. And, like... The, the fact that it's this ongoing thing of like, oh, not that like I had a rivalry with him and then he turned out shitty. And so I'm justified, but I also feel bad because I also had a connection to this bird. He was more like, let this motherfucker bird. <laughs> and that's just the yeah. end of it. Like, it's so confused. The royals. <sighs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Literally the aristocrats. Very, very different story, that one. Um, so we return to the chapel. The chessboard is beside a large weighted scale. And every time one of them claims a piece, uh, it weighs towards one side or the other. And on the edges of the scale, there's a little red section, which is basically like if it lands on mouse side, the bomb goes off, everyone dies, or at least everyone near the bomb dies. If Lelouch gets enough pieces that it goes the other way, he wins, everyone gets to walk away. And... Lelouch tries to provoke Mal, but he just shrugs it off, saying that, uh, ah, I can read your intent like a book. And you're thinking like, well, okay, so what are you get, what's going to happen? How is this going to play out? So the game goes on and Mal continues to taunt uh, Lelouch as it goes on. And it does not go well for Lelouch. The, basically, the same thing happens where every every one of his moves gets countered and like Mao's just like, Oh, you thought of seven different moves to do at the same time. Like you are fascinating after, uh, Lelouch basically knows he's about to lose and is going to have the bomb go off. He starts begging and pleading and it feels really out of character, but Mao then tosses the King, um, Lelouch's King onto the scale, which tips the needles into the red which should trigger the detonation and Lelouch screams and the scream carries outside. Uh, like they really sell this. Like it's just multiple oh, yeah. echoes as the camera pans out all the way. And then Mao looks at the screen and sees that Nunnally is still sitting there unaware of the world around her decidedly not exploded. And at this point, Suzuku kicks in the chapel window, dodges past three gunshots at close range. Holy shit, dude. And, disar- uh-huh. and he disarms Mao, kicking his gun across the room and placing Mao under arrest as a soldier of the Britannian military. We then learned that all of this was Lelouch's plan because Suzuku's like, yeah, I did it according to your move. And he told Suzuku, then guessed himself to forget all of it so Mao couldn't read it in his head. That's actually really smart. That's uh, actually but- pretty good. I I like that. I didn't think of that until he said, yeah, it was your plan. And then it's like, oh, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, that that is like, again, this show being Death Note, where it's like, oh, what is the one way you can deal with someone who reads your mind? Wipe your own memory temporarily, yeah. which is what, you know, happens in Death Note. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to give the show, give the show some credit for that one. I probably should have seen that coming, honestly. <laughs> you know, it's such a weird swerve that... I also didn't feel like it was a cheat when it came up, but yeah, I had a moment of, I should have, 
I should have guessed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then you also know that he burned his one chance to use it on himself, so he can't do that trick again. Yep. Hopefully we're not going to have any more psychics. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Uh, Suzuku calls Sayako at this point, telling her it is safe to move in, and the maid walks in from off camera and begins untying Nunley. Earlier in this scene, we skipped over it. There was a single scene of Sayako at the grocery store, which is where most of the footage from the soup store skit comes from. Ah, okay. Yeah, if you actually watch that video, she's in the background of it uncommented on. That's where the footage is that they edit before it starts turning into stock. Gotcha. Uh, Mao starts screaming about this defeat, wondering how the fuck Lelouch could trust everyone's lives to some friend. And Lelouch just thinks back smugly, yes, I literally trusted Suzuku with my life. But before he could be cuffed, Mao shoves the soldier back and screams, Get your hands off me, father killer! And the entire room of three recoils in shock. <laughs> I'm going to call you Pat for patricide. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So... Mao continues on saying that the prime minister was firmly in favor of military resistance, but a young Suzuku was heated, thinking that if he made his father stop, the war would be over, which he calls a childish notion. Uh, but everything escalated and Suzuku, um, it seems like accidentally shanks his father. Like he had the knife out, but he didn't, in, he didn't like go stabbed. Like the father kind of fell onto his knife. And it's Lelouch very says, unclear because it's mostly done in silhouette. Yeah, yeah. I, I got the vibe that it wasn't it, like he wasn't like, I'm going to kill you now, like premeditated. It's more oh, yeah. of like it was like a reaction or something. This is both of them got really heated and a knife went into a man. Yeah. By the way, I think this is the, the reveal that I almost had spoiled to me on the G-Witch page. <laughs> <laughs> because because uh, I, I was reading like the G-Witch page and it's like uh, like the history of it and like, like oh people have referenced uh, um, that this seemed very similar to the, to the twist in Code Geass where and I like closed the page immediately mm -hmm. and then I realized when I saw this I'm like oh because he killed his father accidentally yeah yeah there yeah, you go there yeah. you go and uh, it was like perfectly tied that I avoided that right before learning and then connecting the two yeah this is me having to dodge stuff for season two of this show at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so Lelouch said that he always heard that uh, the prime minister uh, committed suicide in protest. And Mao pointed out that this was just a convenient lie that the adults said to uh, protect a young boy. Even worse, this means that Suzuku's heroic streak isn't that at all. All of this is because he feels a lot of guilt for what he did. And he, he's got a... He's got quite a bit of a death wish. Like, he kind of wants to die, but he also wants to save people as much as possible to make up for his sin so he can wash the blood off his hands. Just imagine the alternate version of this, where if this guy had human rather than superhuman reflexes, he's like, mm -hmm. all right, Lelouch, I'm going to help you save your sister. Whoop! Trips and gets gunned down right in front of his friend. Or he just gets uh, shot in the back, like in episode one, and dies. <laughs> yeah, a lot of different ways this could have gone. Just imagine how one untied shoelace could have fucked this dude up. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. Oh, 
Just as he shrugs off the completely broken Suzuku's grasp, Mao is caught off guard by Lelouch's scream of rage. Mao, never speak again, he yells, and it is too late that a visorless Mao realizes he's looking the prince directly in a glowing eye. His voice is reduced to nothing but gagging sounds. I might cut in a couple of these because, you know, the voice actor's actually doing some work on this. They're not just mm -hmm. going... And as Lelouch charges at him like a bolt, Mao starts fleeing, running for the door of the church. He breaks into the sunlight, only to be greeted by a forlorn Cece standing directly in front of him. Mao, she says, I did love you. And he gasps out, I presume, an expression of joy? Mm. Please, wait for me. In C's world, she says, and she just puts a gun to his head and fires. We see him collapse to the ground as the church doors close from inside, and Lelouch turns from the door to his friend, collapsed on the ground, near fetal, just going, I just, I just, and the episode ends. You know, you know the whole Seas World thing just reminds me of that House of the Dead line, where it's just like, what, what is it, Suffer Like L did or whatever? Suffer Like G did. Suffer Like G did, that's what it was. Yes. <laughs> and that, but hey, hey. We got some lore there. We got a little hint of some lore. Who is C? What is C's world? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Learning about CC's whole deal from the fucking out of context final alternate universe movie makes going through this show so stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That, I, I can't that, wait to find out. That final movie does a lot with that that I can't say about it. It's just like, okay, sure. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <sighs> yeah, these episodes, man. This is a good block. This, I think this is probably going to be one of the highlights of the season for me. Just as a you whole. You think? I okay. think the final, I think this leads us into what kicks off the finale. Mm. All the hints have been laid down. It's great. Yeah. And now that we have... We're kind of on a ride from here to the end. You know what everyone's deal yep. is, other than uh -huh. CC's. Mm -hmm. You know where people are starting to fall, because you have things like Ogie splintering. You have yep. Callan getting much more fervent in her trust of zero. Everything is set up. Now we just have to do the dominoes. The thing is, like, they could probably do it in two episodes or ten episodes, and I just don't know which one. That, obviously, I know how many episodes are left in the season. Yeah. But, like, there's so much about that where I go, like, I don't fuck. Are we going to have a mech episode next? Probably. I don't know. Like, are we going to have one with a lot more school shit? Maybe. I don't know. Like, <laughs> my favorite part of this is this means you haven't scrolled down and seen our teaser for next week yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, okay, you do know it is it is it is Yuri Day. It is officially Yuri Day, uh, July, uh, yeah, June twenty fifth. So, yep, I it's know. An interesting question to pose on that day. Yeah, for for those who cannot look at our notes right now, uh, we have the line: "We'll be back in two weeks with episode seventeen through eighteen, and force ourselves to confront the age old question: Are women gay?" The answer is sometimes. 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, we, we're gonna take a slight detour before the finale kicks off. God, God, and why even have that in there? There's already enough shit going on. It's so weird. Um, yeah, like, there's just so much about this show that, yeah, I've, I've talked about the tone swings and, like, the too many narratives going on. Like, this is the episode where it becomes really obvious that, uh, like, Cece is an anthe, like, her whole backstory oh, yeah. with now is extremely anthy from Utena. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, like, what are they doing with Valletta? Why, why? Okay. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we also have the question of what happened to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, she didn't even get Gios amnesia. She got near death amnesia. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, she was shot and uh, bled out, and let's just say that she might have had some, I don't know, lack of oxygen to the brain <laughs> due to the law. Yeah. No blood. Yeah, I'm just, I, I'm just never a fan of when you take a like capable female character and then basically turn her into a demure woman. It sucks. I don't like that. And they also show us her tits, so. <laughs> even weirder it's not amazing i can no. see your frustration with it because i've seen it more than once and it probably happens another time in a different i do like I the way it but... swerves let's just say that okay like if they do something interesting with it ultimately yeah, it's sure it just feels really tacked on right now. i guarantee you have an idea in your head of where it's going and no it's not all right With that, I suppose we might as well do plugs. If you like this show, or perhaps one that might appear on this feed shortly, which we're going to record a little after this, you might want to kick us a little bit of money at pitchdrop.cash for our Patreon, where we do a variety of bonus shows. Uh, Chris, Matt, and another host, John, do a different anime podcast that is currently covering the very dense serial experiments lane. Uh, we also have bonus episodes of this show, of Lightning Strikes Thrice, our JRPG Games Club podcast, various other specials on the network, and mm-hmm. you can learn about so many things we do together or apart. Do, do you want to listen to four hours of Shin Godzilla talk? We have that. Oh. <laughs> it's our biggest sin. Still, but it's also the yeah. worst podcast from an editing <laughs> standpoint I have ever worked on. It's not a bad podcast. It was no. just a train wreck of an edit. Oh, it's still not as bad as some of the early LST episodes. Oh my god, the ones I had to reconstruct from the backups. Oof, oof. Eh, we yeah. still have the time that I had to do Chris's voices. Um, Yep, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, we've definitely had worse. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, But yeah, other than that, um, I write uh, reviews of Yuri manga and anime uh, on Okazu. Actually, I'm working, I have a review coming out in July. Um, That one is for Monologue Woven for You 3, the the end of that really kind of mid-series. Uh, but I also got like at least two or three more coming up in the pipeline. Uh, so go check that out. I have a, a guest reviewer um, tab that you can look in and just look at mine if you want. Uh, and then I also have my blog. Um, oh, my God, they were bandmates about the Shoujo series. Uh, How do we have a relationship? Which, if you didn't know, 
is on the new Viz app, so you can read all of it within a week before the free trial runs out and then get caught up to uh, like the Sybil pubs, that, even though there's a huge gap in the middle of them and it's very frustrating. Um, check yeah. that out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, check that out. I mean, I know literally no one does. I've seen the metrics, but you could. <laughs> I think I literally have like five views on each page or something. It's really funny. Oh, I'm one of them. Hooray. <laughs> <sighs> and with that, again, we will talk about our women bourgeoisie. See you next time. Peace. My God, that's a terrible outro. I can do better than that. <laughs>